What's up, guys? John Sintas here, Cutter Nation podcast, special guest, in-house, John Peabody, Cutter Nation 47, 46? I don't know what we're at. Uh, we're up pretty high yeah. on the total podcast amount. Cast quite low. Um, first of all, don't forget, rate, review, subscribe, uh, follow us on YouTube. Uh, this will be on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, anywhere, Twitter, you can find it. Um, but we're real excited to have you, John. Thanks for coming. Um, you and I talked um, for like, what? Like eighteen hours one day yeah. at the gym and it's been and four hours. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Just talking about strategy, life, the way the game's going, and and I feel like you in the Twitterverse and the just the general San Diego baseball area of understanding me, you, you really have a good feel of what's going on in, in the world. And so we just wanted to get you in and, and just talk about some of the trends and the things that we were doing and, and try to help educate as many people as we can to to the style and the philosophies of things that for what we believe in. Um, we talk to our parents a lot of times and a lot of them say that there is a massive amount of information that is going on on the internet, as everybody knows, but the understanding of what works, what doesn't work, how things are and stuff is, is uh, one of our parents said, is like, unless you just talk directly to us when you're in there, like they just don't really get as much information as they would like, you know what I mean? So welcome, you know, and, and uh, Let's start with that. Let's let's start with your uh, playing history, and, and why don't you introduce yourself to the people that may not know you? I know a lot of our. We said your name to a couple of our clients. Sorry, they weren't quite familiar with you, but I don't, I don't think they're as much Twitter verses as. <laughs> no, I, I had a kid uh, from Minnesota just texting me, and I'm like, no, I can't. I'm, I'm with Peabody. He's like, oh, sick. So <laughs> popular. I've known I know I've known about you since like for like five years. No, well, yeah, no. Twitter is. Uh... Twitter's helped out a lot as far as getting the getting kind of the name out, and that was kind of the whole point behind it was um, I just wanted to just have a bigger outreach. I felt like I was had a decent outreach in San Diego. It wasn't about building my San Diego business or anything like that. I just felt like I had good information I was giving to my local clients that I wanted to figure out how to give it out to more clients, and uh, Twitter has been a great way to, to be able to do that. Um, I think a lot of people have kind of caught on to the trend of, of being able to market themselves through it and be able to give out tidbits of information. Um, and I think that's awesome. But I think the best thing about it is uh, you still need to have that applied to that individual. So as much of information as there is out there, um, to apply it to that person I think is is, is the key, which is which is where we kind of come in here. So how, how do you get to that point where you're you're making that decision to go to Twitter? Like, what what's happening? I don't I don't know who you are yet. I was bored. Yeah, I was just bored. I was like, literally, I was just like, I want to get, I want to just, I want to reach people that I can't reach, and I don't know how else to do that outside of. I couldn't really think of any other way besides Twitter to really do that, let's, podcasting let's, yeah, and stuff like that. Let's go into that, because I feel like social media gets such a bad rap these days with right. things, and I feel like the way you provide information, the way we provide information, and also the way we consume information, like, I feel like if I'm not seeing something or trying to learn something through social media, I just don't feel like... There's just so much information out there, especially with the playoffs and everything that's going on right now. Like you can just learn so much. So, right. you know, uh, is that same with you, or, or how do you feel like the, your consumption of, of the social media? Do you feel like it gets a bad rap also, or do you feel like that, you know, obviously the, anybody can turn a path? But what do you think? I think it definitely gets a bad rap, especially uh, you know with with travel ball and high school coaches. Um, kind of feel like they have to defend themselves from the things that people see or hear on Twitter. Which again, I understand to a certain degree because on Twitter you're not getting the whole message. I think uh, when you do Instagram lives, when you're doing Periscope, there's more of a you know you have more time to explain the what's and the hows of, of, of whatever drills or whatever your philosophy is. It's just not it's not clickbait. Um, I think there is a lot of clickbait on Twitter, a lot of retweet bait, um, which is something I always wanted to make sure I stayed away from. I always tried to kind of be original in the sense of. I was really big on posting videos at first, and I kind of wanted the videos to do the speaking. I didn't want to do the talking. I wanted, I think a good video says enough, and I kind of wanted it, I, I wanted to stay out of it to a certain extent, and I still kind of do that. Now, if you go on my Twitter account, there's a lot of, a lot of kind of taking what I think high school coaches and kind of the people that I would fight with over Twitter would say, you don't know what you're talking about, and I kind of let, 
certain people who do know what they're talking about because they have a, a better playing background than me, per se. Um, kind of find really good information of them talking and doing things and, and saying, hey, you know what, this is the same perspective I have, but here, listen to it from Alex Bregman's uh, mouth instead of my mouth. Um, kind of verifying everything that I talk to my kids about, but again, socially letting kind of my message be sent through other players. That's, that's an interesting way to do it because it sounds like, I mean, we I, I do it all the time too with, with a lot of the things that I see where it's like, you know, there are a bunch of different ways to swing a bat, right? right? There's a bunch of different ways to throw a baseball, but in the philosophy and the style that you believe in, defending it using video evidence of like, look, this is what this is how I think it should be done. This right. is like your opinion. You know, I, I agree with that totally. Like with well, it gives you a chance to like channel a bunch of ideas that are not necessarily your own, but things that are in line with your values. So it's a really good way to like point people in the right direction. And I think what's tough is the fact that there's so many people like us that exist. And on the surface, like you said, there it's it's hard to know the difference between clickbait and something else. Like, I mean, just think of like TM, right? Like that is a novel. Just to like think of the like interpreting some of these people, right? Interpreting people that you don't know, not having these interactions back and forth, and only like that. Those are the limitations, of course. But then, then on top of it, like I know who you are. Like I walk into a facility, I'm like, oh my gosh, hi John. I, it's weird. I know who you are, and I didn't even expect this to happen. I have fr I have a friend who I've uh, the opposite never met like Kurt Hughes from Ignite Baseball like I talk to him you know at worst case once a month yeah. you know and I and I bounce I ideas off people but you know as a as a consumer as a parent like navigating these things like I don't I don't know it, it just gets so challenging right away because the easy answers don't right and you right. see that a lot like parents will be completely off social media and not be connected to it at all. But that can also be scary as well because there is so much good stuff here. So really I, don't, I don't know where I don't know where I'm going with this because I I think it's a I think the point is that it's challenging for everybody. Well, and, and a suggestion that I would that that I like that one of our parents had an idea of is like we have a dedicated Instagram account for a kid and he's like ten maybe eleven or something like that, but we know who he follows, where he goes, we do it with them. Right. They kind of sit down and look over the information. They watch our stuff, they watch your stuff, and kind of put it all together, but it's like a joint family thing. And so the kid is allowed to go on YouTube and look at other stuff because they feel like YouTube's maybe a little bit safer way to go about it and do things. You can restrict YouTube, yeah? The seven-year-old, with his seven-year-old? He's on kids' YouTube, so I don't I don't know about the older okay. adult YouTube, how much you can restrict. I'm assuming they're, I'm assuming, but well, I don't know. I think it's going to the same thing. It's like following, subscribing. Like, you can pick certain accounts and do things. I think and it's, a, it's a whole new world that people are learning to deal with. Yeah. Right? I see Teaching. it changing from, like, you know, I've been doing this, what, eight or nine years? How long have you been doing it? Going on 12 years now? Yeah, so I, from the beginning of me doing it, like, you can scroll back to the beginning of my Instagram and see, like, I was pumping out videos with these kids that I was throwing BP to and doing hitting and throwing yep. and all stuff, too. But, like, you can see the genesis of it from where it's evolved to where it is now. It's another cool thing kind of about it. Every now and then you see tweets from back in the day and you're like, damn, I don't, yeah, I don't know <laughs> if I would say it like that. Yeah. Or, well, you know, and it kind of holds you accountable, too, as a coach yeah. when you put things out there in public, which I think is, is important. You know, when you're in a one-on-one -on -one session, you know, it's one-on-one. -on -one, but when you say things, you know, in my case, you know, I have 40,000 plus followers. So, you know, there you go. A little, uh, <laughs> little, little brush the shoulders off. Yeah. Uh, but that just doesn't But it holds you accountable, though. And that's, I think that's the thing is when you, when you when, again, when you see the trolls that have 25 followers, when they have 100 followers, and the, yeah, the no profile picture and like the no posts and following three people, like yeah. you can literally just do the math and like, oh, you're that's, following these. Is that people? worse that's or like five hundred right followers? There. Like five hundred followers, it's like, oh, that's my personal account. So you're just yeah, like but, a human being this, that just sucks. The whole private, unprivate <laughs> thing, and then like somebody attacks a video of a kid throwing, and they're not willing to like put their face in front of it. Right. That's the that's the thing that cracks me up. And they don't know that. what you're. What the pretense is behind that throw or behind that swing or behind that drill. So instead of asking, they're just telling you what, quick what's to, going on. And that's on. something that I've learned. If you're a young coach listening to this, it's it's quick to uh, it's quick to judge everything. And it's something that I try to teach my, my players to do is you're going to run into a bunch of different coaches and they're going to say things different than I'm going to say them. 
um, it's kind of your job to find the purpose and kind of the intent, like the good intent behind that, even though it may not be said the way it be said. Like I haven't met a coach that's trying to hurt a guy. Um, they all trying to help guys. And like I said, the verbiage might be different. And even the, the, the message is a little different, but it's kind of our job as players to kind of read between the lines and see how I can really see what he's trying to get me to do when a guy, you know, so. Well, so it, it sounds like you do what we do. Like we, we explain the goal and like some people use different language or you see different things. And like the goal is still to throw a strike or strike a guy out or, or get the out or have a clean inning. That's always the goal. The goal is never to walk a guy. Right. And that's one of the things that cracks me up about, you know, we have people critiquing 13 and 14 year old kids, not, not like, but you're comparing it to a major league professional who right. like, they, they act like, I was watching the, the playoff game the other day and Verlander started off the game and missed like nine out of 10 spots. Right. Like literally missed nine out to start the first inning, but still made it through it. And everybody takes him about uh, location, be accurate and all this stuff. I'm like, come on bro, like he literally missed nine out of 10 pitches, but still got out of it because he's throwing hard, he's throwing nasty pitches and it is what it is. And right. like, people don't just don't put that together. he's playing the game. Yeah, exactly. He's playing the game. Exactly. And he knows, and he knows that he has you know, as a guy that used to throw hard when I was young and when I did pitch, like, if you, you don't need, like, you always have the, your velocity for the most part, especially if it's good velocity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I never, I didn't always have my location. If I had my location and I had my velocity, then it was game, set, match. But I always felt like at least I could just compete with just throwing the ball over the plate somehow mm-hmm. with my velocity. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I think, Kind of that's what we saw when well, you see a guy like that do that and get away too. with the plate. It's 17 inches. So, like, the fact, like, being here and being here is a matter of, like, three or four inches. And it's crazy, like... And we're talking about big leaguers. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're not yeah. talking about... Exactly. Freshman, you, you got it. Kids, exactly. And there's know. so many other mental things that go on into that, especially where a kid goes from middle school to high school, and he's into a program that's really, really good, and maybe he wants to make varsity, so, like his own anxiety goes through the roof because he's like trying to be perfect and be really good and do all that stuff. And instead of like, dude, you feel good. Like just throwing gas to me and throwing hard and, and all that stuff is so much more of an internal feeling than an actual number to me. Cause I like, we all know, and you, you remember, you can probably go in your brain right now and be like, I remember I absolutely ripped this baseball one time and yeah. I didn't miss a spot. No, you know I mean, what I mean? I only, you know, I played varsity baseball as a 14-year-old freshman on the number one high school team in the country and um, was expected to make it. And so that's a lot of pressure going into that. And I didn't have the best tryout. I think I gave up back-to-back home runs against guys that were D1 first-rounder guys. And then I came back with, you know, FU fastballs over the middle of the plate. But because I could throw the ball hard, because I competed, I was able to get out of that. And I wasn't. 80 miles an hour trying to hit a corner and it just wasn't going to work. Yeah. It just wasn't. So, um, again, back to your point of being able to throw hard and being able to have that in my pocket, I think is, uh, was, was vital to me as a young player being able to play up and being able to compete with the older guys that were throwing harder and doing those things. I I think it really helps too with secondary pitches because like we have our guys who love ripping sliders and curveballs. Yeah. They understand you got to throw it really hard, and then the harder you throw it, the better the action, the more spin that you get on it. And like, we'll see some of the stuff in the gym, and and they'll throw some curveballs or sliders, and we're like, well, can't like that was amazing. Can you do it again? Like, and so we're just trying to get them to repeat those nasty Chris Sale sliders and do all those stuff where they're they're understanding what how to do it. You know, I don't feel like that they throw at those max intense situations enough. You know, and, and to be able to feel like, can you make it do that multiple times in a row? You know. Well, you now you're talking about teaching guys how to, you know, whether you want to call it throw the right way or pitch. I think a lot of people will call it now. You're teaching guys how to pitch, um, which, like I said, I, I I don't think I you know I was well, always oh, so, kind of so a, the parallel is the swing versus like teaching kids how to hit, right? And like, so how do yeah. you how do you have that conversation? Then we can tell you how we would have the conversation on the pitching side. Hitting is almost more mental stuff that you can control. Your approach, uh, your vision, which is a physical thing, I think has to do with your hitting, your your body control um, has, you know, which again kind of tinkers into swing. Um, it's you know kind of the are you a hitting coach or are you a swing coach? 
Yeah. Um, what does that mean? Right, exactly. And like I said, I think if, if you really break down what hitting is, a lot of it is mental and a lot of it is body control when it comes to being able to, and, and, and when people talk about a swing that has adjustability, you know, I don't buy into a swing that has adjustability. I think a good hitter can adjust, um, a swinger can't. Um, so the things that it takes for you to adjust are kind of the things that it takes for you to be a, a hitter. It's not hard to adjust. You just have to be willing to adjust. I agree. Yeah, and you have to train it. And I, I, sorry, that, that should have been a question. I was like thinking that through like, is that a good way to think about it? Uh, yeah, you have to be willing to do it. But you also have, you know, that being said, you have to be, you know, you got to be able to do it. But you have to be willing to do it. You have to, and, and back to, to me is I never really trained how to do it. I was always... And maybe it was because I was a throw hard guy. You know, I was always just, I always set myself up to hit the hard stuff. And I was really good at kind of, not really good, not as good as I like, but I was, I, I got good at being able to recognize and take curveballs to the point to where, you know, I never really swung at a curveball on purpose, which again, probably not the smartest thing to do when I'm getting a lot of them. So I never really learned how to hit per se. I was always, I always, I was always a really good swinger, I think, was kind of where I would say I maxed out at. It's a super like, interesting concept. I learned how to concept. swing really good. It's a super interesting concept because it makes me think about, like, I'm always leaning on my experience of what Because, like, my entire game was changed when I went to Mexico and played down there. And I just saw so many crazy things. Right. I should have sent, I'm going to send you, uh, a buddy of mine, um, he plays down in, uh, he's a Dominican guy. He he's in, plays in summer, and he plays in summer in TJ and then winter in Los Mochis where I played. And he hit the first home run of the season of winter ball. And he sat on a curveball that was 72 miles an hour that was going to hit his back foot, stepped in the bucket, and hit it out of the stadium. Right. And, and just absolutely golfed it. And it, like, always the adjustment and training with things, like, that was the thing that was crazy to me, where it was like, I tell him all the time, like, I can literally tell when there's an American hitter in the box because right. they're always balanced, they're on time, everything's good, everything's good posture, whatever. And then when you see the Latin guys, it's a lot more flow. They're willing to dive out over the plate and go rip a ball or – Wait for you to throw the curveball, and he like changes his body position, right. as you would say, and like a change of the alignment, and just absolutely golfs it, four fifty over, you know, out of the stadium, you know, and like I'll send it to you. It's a cr and he's awesome to watch because like every hack is a G hack, and it's always a bat flip, and he's smiling, and he's such a good dude, and everybody just plays a different game down there. So like it's interesting that you say that because I totally agree, and like to what you see with what you see happening here, especially in Southern California with. The pitching and the hitting and stuff do you feel like guys are athletic enough you know with with their approaches or do you feel like they're very cookie cutter uh i think their approaches again that's something i think the, the, the approaches are very cookie cutter um that's something i was thinking of on the drive here was like it's like almost something approaches can't be generic the approach has to be how to learn your own approach you know because the pitcher should be, and this is, again, I look at, you know, I'm fortunate enough to work with good players, good hitters. So you can't sit at seven o'clock and talk about almost what they're gonna get at seven, you know, it, it's it's because the game is gonna dictate that. Um, again, who they're, you know, if you're playing high school baseball and some of the guys, you know, and you're the three hitter or the four hitter, you're not gonna get pitched the same as the one hitter and the seven and the eight and the nine hitter and, and really probably anybody else, depending on who you are. So. It's hard to have, say, hey, do this, you know, we should hunt fastballs nine out of 10 times and do this and do that. I think, like I said, it, you need to teach a hitter how to come up with his own plan and how to make sure he knows himself to see what the pitcher is doing, to see what the pitcher is capable of doing. Um, when he gets in certain counts, knowing what the pitcher has to do and okays you to do certain things. Um, again, creating a swing that has balance and, and allows you to see the ball so we can adjust to off-speed pitches, even though I might be hunting fastballs um, and not just selling out for the fastball. Um, so yeah, those things I think are, are, are not talked about enough because it, it, it's very individual. It should be based on the individual, which everyone wants to just have a quick five-minute conversation on approach. When does this start? Are you 12? I. Uh, for me, it started. I think it starts when you start seeing a curveball. <laughs> right. As soon as you start seeing curveballs consistently, there needs to be a hey, man, this is, this is, this is what we're looking to do. Or yeah, I think at some point when you start seeing pitches that are different speeds, that the idea of what we're and, or again, when you you know this is again this is the beautiful thing about 
you know, I, I, I try to seek out guys talking as much as possible. That's one thing that I think goes underestimated when you play pro baseball is people kind of, you know, I hear a lot that, it, you know, it doesn't matter if you play pro ball, you know, you know, and I agree with that a lot because I'm, it's not like I played pro ball for a long time. It's not like I played pro ball and got to AAA. So I didn't have the best pro ball experience, right? I'm very close to not being a pro baseball player if you look at my baseball resume as far as pro ball goes. So I, I, I'm all for guys that don't have experience in pro ball. But, to, but there's, there's, a big, there's a big learning curve when you, when you are there and you are watching the way guys, guys talk and the way guys go about their business. Totally agree. Um, but we were just talking about, I just kind of went when, off rant. When's the approach start? That's what he was going on. Like, and, you said doing the curveball from there. And uh, I forgot exactly where I was going with that, man. <laughs> it's okay. Jesus. Um, I, I, I agree with you because, like, our experiences were completely different. Like, you, you being an affiliated guy and playing, and then I was not an affiliated guy, right? Like, uh, I had a couple years in indie ball. That really taught me a lot more, too, because of the indie ball conditions that I played. I played in the Pecos League, you know, the worst league in right. America. Saw the show. But it's all, like, elevated um, mountain baseball. And right. me being a Florida guy, I'm not used to, like, balls flying like that. We have a lot more humidity. The game is literally different, you know. Right. And so being, learn, you know, playing in a 7,000 elevation stadium, which is also, like, a 13U field where it's, like, 270 to right, 350 to center, 330 to left. Like, you have to learn how to not let the guy hit the ball. Because right. if he touches it, it's going to hit the wall. And that's similar to what's happening in Major League Baseball right now, you know, where the balls are flying, juiced or not juiced, or, or high seams or low seams, what everybody's saying. The ball is still leaving significantly faster than it was five years ago, one year ago, whatever it is. And I, and I think what's interesting is that we're having this conversation. And I think, like, if, if we think about what's going on on Twitter, like, people don't talk about the fact that, like, baseball in Minnesota is a lot different than baseball in Southern California. It's a lot different than, I bet, in Texas and different than New York. Like, there are, there are actually, like, I don't mean to say it this way, but that's the only way I can think about it. Like, there are literally cultural differences, like, within like states but they're all good and bad right right so there's you know, like so and that's what makes the game really good because everybody has their own approach and you kind of have to adjust to what is given but people you. can't have this conversation when they don't know how to develop is like where i want to bring it back to is sure. like this idea that like you have to we have the luxury of having this conversation of teaching kids how to play the game and like what kinds of games there are out there because we know how to develop Right. And and so and we feel really confident in that. And so even the things that what you were saying too, I'll go back to what you're saying on the development side, like these kids that need to learn how to hit a curveball, right? I was told the same thing in high school where just don't swing at it. First right. pitch curveball, don't swing. I was a four hole first baseman, you know it is what it is. <laughs> Sorry, I get excited. Because what everything looks like right now is just like everything thrown on the table. And like we need to help people prioritize the things that are important. Right. So if we want to be this college baseball player, like we need to be having conversations to people, whether they're, you know, when, I, that's why I'm asking, like approach. When is that important? Because like when we think about that from a pitching side of things, like my approach is like teaching kids sequencing. Right. Like so I don't want to teach that to an eight year old unless that eight year old is like showing me that he's ready for that. I also don't want to teach a 16 year old that. If he's showing me that he's not ready for that. All right. So all right, you, you got me back to where I was. Yeah. I remember what I was saying. I've been, I've been mad about it. So I try when you when you're in pro ball, yeah. right? They downplay what you're able to hear, the conversations that you're able to to be told or just have be around. And what I try to do is I try to present when guys when guys do talk about their approach that people can hear it, right? So or at least hear the part that I wanted you to hear of it. And Donaldson talked about something the other day where he talked when they talk about approach, which I think is very valid for young players because I look back at my approach when I was young, I didn't really have one because there weren't pitchers that threw hard enough to force me to have to one. To need one. Yeah. Right? Or and a dude with six pitches. That can yeah, I mean, they all had six pitches, but you know, they couldn't throw, you know. Well, yeah, but yes, no, but 100%. Can, exactly. Someone that so, was carving and doing his thing. So sometimes, you know, you know, as a, you know, you don't need an approach because the guy doesn't throw hard enough for you to have one. It's sea ball, hit ball, his fastball and his curveball there's not, it's not hard enough for you to be able to go, hey, sit on the fastball. Um, so yes. So, so, it's so, so training patterns are often reflective of the environment, right? So like the what you're, right. But, but like in Minnesota, for example, like 
everybody can get away with saying hunt fastballs, hunt fastballs. So you're going to see it at the D1, D2, D3, at all of the facilities because that's the kind of baseball that exists there. Because like from my, my point here, nobody knows how to teach throwing in the whole entire Midwest. Like I don't see that. Like, and, and I, I know that's aggressive, but like it's really uncommon and they don't throw enough and like there's so many layers to it, right? And this bleeds right. into, that means we don't see that good of pitching. That means we don't see a lot of breaking balls that are actually thrown over the plate. So that completely changes it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, no, there's... And, and, and so I, I'm going to give my perspective from the, the pro side versus not because I'm the D3 guy that's out of the loop on that. And it's like, if, if from my perspective, I have always taken it, I need to listen to everybody that I ever talk to that has been in the program and understand what it's like. Like what, from my perspective, not being in that, it's there's this camaraderie of just like being in it. Like this sucks. Like a lot of the things about minor league baseball is not great, no. right? And everybody that creates things, think about anything. Like for, I'm in CrossFit right now. We don't like, who likes CrossFit? That's the dumbest thing ever. But I love CrossFit because yeah. of what it creates, right? We get to share this, this terrible experience every morning at 6.30 in the morning, yeah. right? Like, and it's the same thing. So, so if you can't acknowledge that and you haven't played the program, it's two strikes against you. Because if you're in the program and you don't acknowledge it, at least you're in the program and you're making that conscious decision. Right. So you have to like it making these acknowledgements. And so these people that are bringing it back to this, like, I can't use like anybody that's like technology based that they're they're coming into these conversations because of their their knowledge in technology or their knowledge in marketing or their knowledge in anything else. They actually have valuable things to tell us in the game. But having how to say that and like bridging that gap is obviously a big thing that's happening now, and yeah. which is why you're seeing people being hired off Twitter because they know how to manage a Rhapsodo thing. And hopefully they have some, uh, you know, what feel is what they're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. It's and and so that's where we're at. Yeah. It seems like there's a liaison right now happening where it's like you have these, this wealth of knowledge and these experienced guys that are coaches. And then there's all of this technology over here, this, and they've already, they, they don't understand it. It doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. So they're hiring this one guy that goes like, well, spin rate really just means that if you can increase it, then it makes it harder to hit in certain situations. Or in other situations where you decrease the spin rate where it makes it harder to hit in that situation. You know, like they were showing Strasburg's spin rate and it, it was the lowest spin rate of all of the changeups being thrown. That's also why it has so much more depth because it has less gravity, it doesn't fight it, and it just dives more. It's a harder pitch to hit. And like everybody's that I've heard recently has been talking about, oh, you want spin rate to go up on everything. Right. It's like, well, that just defies the physics of what's going on to that. And if you don't have anybody that can explain that process to somebody, then what are we talking about? And you make know? it also not sound like that too. And that's and you're seeing that too now where like it is, it is for sure a thing that we are paying attention to the fact that people don't always want to know their spin rates. And like I know this has always been a thing, but it's more obvious right now that you know, are having this conversation the other day about some, if, if you have a place that can do force plates and edgertronics and all of these things, you're showing people like, great, like that's it. If I'm a pro, I'm going there. But if I'm everybody else, I need something that I can like manage, that I can do on my own, right? That I, that it's not, it doesn't cost me $7,000 to like right. get this set up to like train the right way or to play the game the right way or whatever. So yeah, I don't know. Bringing it back to to giving people something that they can take away, I think is is really like you said earlier. We're all trying to sit, solve the same exact problem. Yep. We all are trying to do that. So, well, and that's oh. when when people come to you or they come to us. There's almost tell help me out with this because what I see with people when we ask them the first question on the first day, like, what do you want to help us with? You know, and then like the questions that we get with people are like, I want to throw hard. And then I'm like, okay, cool. You want to throw harder. Do you know what that means? Do Why do you want to throw harder? What, what do you feel like that's going to help you with? And then most of them just haven't thought past that one question. Right. They're like, uh, well, I think if I throw harder, and then most of the time it turns into, if I throw harder, then I'll get a chance to pitch. Right. Like I don't throw hard enough to just get a chance from my coach because there's some outfielder throwing missiles, right. but he doesn't know where it's going, but he's going to get a chance. And I saw the same thing when I was – coming up and rehabbing and doing everything. Like there was a guy I went to, I specifically remember going to a tryout in Miami and this guy was throwing next to me. And in at the University of Miami, down the first baseline, the bullpen faces the wrong direction. And I threw my first pitch and hit 91 right there and spotted it beautifully. And the guy next to me hit 96 and threw it out of the stadium, over the fence at left field. And I remember looking at it and I'm like, there's no way this dude, cause you had to like earn your right to go like three or four hours to face batters is what you had to do. And I remember like, 
just boom, boom, boom. They stopped me after like seven or eight pitches. Yeah, you're good. You, you're, you moved on. Cool. And they just kept this guy throwing. And he didn't throw one strike. Didn't throw one strike. And it was 96, 97, 96, 95, 98. All right, cool. And then he's the first one to go in the live at bat thing. And he threw it over the turtle. Threw it over the turtle. He bounced one. Two guys walked out of the thing. We're like, no, nah, I'm not hitting. But, and then sure enough, he gets signed. You know, because someone's like, well, you know, they think at the time that you can teach command, which I know we can teach command because we, you know, you and I talked about the whole, that whole thing of it. But those experiences and those things that really what I think Twitter and Instagram are, where we're sharing our own personal anecdotal evidence of like what we have seen, what we have done, and try to validate it with other conversations of pointing in the direction of selling the idea with Twitter and Instagram with Donaldson, Bregman, right. you know, Scherzer, you know, it, it, it allows for a greater good conversation if people come in open-minded, but you also have that same thing where people just attack for no reason the wrong things and they're not interpreting correctly what they see. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, I'm, the first question I always ask my guys is, you know, if you can get better at one thing today, what would it be? Just kind of a broad, a broad question to just kind of like, what's the, you know, where do you feel the biggest hole is? And then, you know, we'll take some swings, tee, video camera, and we'll kind of go from there, to, you know, and kind of figure out the why and, you know, what's going on. Um, but, yeah, I mean, um, I think, uh, I think, just getting guys to understand really what what a good swing consists of, I think is is the most important thing, and um, you know how you know what their best swing is, and um, what know, is that? Like I said, it's 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 so different for everybody. I you know obviously there's there's all these things that we can that we can talk about as far as balance and loading sequentially and unloading okay. sequentially and you want to start with balance um yeah i mean balance uh what's your question about balance so i think it's one of those things that is thrown around really carelessly yeah and and so i'm always so do you know green light hitting with kyle wagner Okay, so we have a podcast with Kyle Wagner. Um, you should watch it. He's brilliant. Um, he had a little league team go to uh, win the Little League World Series on the state side. Didn't win the whole thing, but anyway. Pennsylvania? Yes. Go Wags, yeah. We, yeah, Go Wags. Yeah, we played them maybe two years ago in yeah. Georgia, Arizona. Yeah, so he, anyway, he, he's brilliant. And, and their whole thing was they, there's literally a hashtag, balance steals athleticism. With the idea of, back to what we were saying earlier, like, being willing to adjust your swing, I think, is the whole point. Like, I'm not going to sit here and the American version that you talk about it, the guys that's he's going to swing and miss to have the perfect swing on that 0-2 fastball in the dirt or curve on the dirt. Like, where where you're going to have people willing to fall over to turn fast and hit bombs. And so you saw, like, I was that was really attractive to me. Like, I, I thought from a kid's standpoint, what's more fun than just swinging the crap out of it? Right. Um. I am. I don't know where I'm going with this besides um, intent-based balance. balance. Oh, and then and and so then like, I have come to appreciate balance a lot more as I've got as I've gotten older, and like that says so many things to me. But people don't say all the things that balance means, right? So like, shin and spine angle. That's a great way to think about balance. Like that's a very vivid. Oh, if I line up my shin and my spine, that's that's a way for me to measure if I'm staying balanced. And then I suppose like a side to side like. Where are we looking for balance might be a place to start. Um, you know, I don't, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like those, that's what it's been to me. So balance to me is also like from a swing standpoint, this new idea of not going backward. Like that would be a balanced way for me to, to swing. So, Which is very hard to do if you have a wide setup and a, and a wide stance, right? Totally. So what is balance? So balance to me is just, is just really controlling your center, is, is controlling your center of mass. Um, you know, like I said, whether you have no leg kick, you know, there's, you know, you're controlling your center of mass, you're, you're kind of pivoting a little bit more around your spine, I guess, or certain guys are, maybe not so much, but um, like I said, there's just a little bit more control of your center of mass, and then, like I said, the bigger leg kick guys is controlling your center of mass as you go up, and then controlling it as you go down, versus your narrow leg kick guys that kind of pick it up nice and easy, Kind of like more of like a pitcher, 
and then controlling your center of mass as you go forward. So, um, like I said, whether it's, it's, you know, sequential. Controlling, so controlling your center of mass would be a first way to think about it. Right. Okay. You don't think of upper half. So I thought um, that was interesting. Are you thinking legs? No, like, yes, where yes. do you well, find? I mean, I think, I think upper, when I think of upper half, I, I'm kind of put that together with both, right? I, when I look at lower half, I don't think about feet too much. You know, to me, the lower half, you know, I, I don't, I don't really use the word lower half much. I use the word, you know, I, I use more, I talk more about the butt, which, you know, I don't know what you would consider your butt. What do, what do you consider the, the glutes? Lower half or, or, or core? Oh, yeah, I would say lower half. Okay, yeah. so I, then I do. But I just, you know, I look at, I look, I look at the, the butt and the core almost as one and the same. Um, and again, we'll... Keep going. Um, I so, what do you mean? So the feet, I kind of, I guess the feet are, uh, you know, feet being in the ground are, are important to me. Um, and like I said, really making sure that the, that the butt and, and the core are, are connected and that they're, like I said, when, when I think about the center of mass, I think about making sure that, that, that the core, the butt and the head are on top of each other and that the, and that, and that the lower back and, and the glutes are, are, are firing. And to me, um, you know, when you have a bigger movement forward, loading sequential, you're having, I feel like when you, when you have a bigger movement forward, you know, obviously controlling your shoulders and knowing knowing where your shoulders or your hands are, are very important. Um, I feel like most of the time, having a, a little bit of a scap load as you're having a forward move with that center of mass um, to keep it in line is 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 usually the the best way of going about it. Um, I think obviously there's a lot of guys that not a lot of guys, but there's there's certain guys that that don't have a lot of shoulder movement or hand movement as they go forward. Um, and that's why I'm very careful on saying that you absolutely have to do certain things. And, um, but I think, like I said, the tendency to control your center of your center of mass is as I'm going forward to make sure that, that, that I'm, that I'm, that I'm, that I'm loading my shoulder backwards, even a little bit. And I think that's the thing that most guys skip is, is the little bit part that even though it's happening a little bit and yeah. it's not happening as much as Donaldson, because it's that's still not happening. balance because they get themselves out of balance. So if, if, if if, if I may keep going with it, it's to me, it's this idea of like understanding where the center is and understanding where neutral. And that's to me is like understanding balance from that standpoint. And that the farther away that I go from that center or that balance that I I'm, I'm taking a risk by being there. Right. right? So I sh sure I could get my arm way away from me and turn like a top as fast as I can. And I would throw the ball hard, but like, I know, you know, I know that that's not the best way for me to do that. Right. So, so managing that, um, and making sure that when guys are, you know, that, that they maintain their alignment. Because that's what you see with the Twitter craze, especially, you know, with Donaldson. Um, you know, you see the big kind yes. of yeah. movement here. And um, a lot of young hitters, you know, especially when they hit off the tee, you know, the vision, their eyes, what they don't what they don't take in, in, in the hand is, is when I'm hitting, my eyes are out in front. So when I'm loading around my spine or around my hip, you know, my eyes, again, if I force them to, if I force, make sure my eyes, if I make sure my vision is good, my eyes will almost kind of keep me yes. from, from swiveling around too much and over-rotating my shoulders. We're off the tee, kids. That's the second time you brought that up. I'm just highlighting it and keep going with it because we talk about it all the time. This is the second time you brought it up. So maybe like vision and balance are like right away jumping out. 100%. Keep going because what you were just saying about, okay, if I keep my eyes there, it restricts me from doing too much. Right. Right. To where when my eyes are on the tee, it's, you know, it's very easy to do too much. Thus, when I get to it, my land and my launch position, I have to do too much to kind of. This is one of the most started. obvious reasons to not do tee work. Like uh, one of the most obvious arguments. I'm not saying don't do tee work. I'm saying like there lies a really strong argument for like the appropriateness and, and understanding how to individualize your program for each kid. It just shows how poor, how lazy coaches are teaching the tee. It's like, here's a tee. Instead of saying, hey, here's a tee. Here are your tendencies you when you have this. Like, let's use your imagination. Let's see the ball coming out of the hand. Right. Let's not take a swing. Let's take a pitch off the tee. Yeah, and, when, and when you take that stride, it's on your it's on your belly button. Right. And like, and you're, when are you hitting the ball yeah, like that? That's a whole other... Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, I mean the T again. That's kind of our. We had a Twitter question from from JT um, asking about when you should use the T. And again, the T is awesome. It's a matter of JT uh, Junior Junior Taylor. Mm. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, Junior. Love it. Um, uh, you know when she when she use the T. And like I said, the T is great. High T is good. You know, if you ask anybody, you know, again, you know, rep, the repetition of doing something right, there's a lot of value to that. For sure, for sure. Um, it's just, are you doing it right? And, and then uh, that goes into another thing, like on, on your expert side of it, and I'll, I'll explain my feelings afterwards. Do you feel like enough people translate the T to the game? Unfortunately, when they do it, yeah, well, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of bad stuff taken to the T. Do they, I, I would say that they don't take the game to the T. They take the tea to the game and they do it poorly, and but they don't take the game to the tea. So when they are put that on a shirt, yeah, because like Jeez. for example, like um, one of the things that I look for, and especially with young kids, we, we talk about it all the time. You and you can probably see. I don't know if this is something you see, but I can tell when I'm facing a guy when he starts to swing and he looks behind the barrel. That right. means that's a big tea guy, and normally that guy misses pitches down. Um, had an argument with someone the other day talking about Arenado does it, right? I think he's just the anomaly. He's always been able to, like, throw, but you're acting like what, what I'm saying is someone is focusing their vision to this spot three to four feet away from it, and you're looking at it trying to see the ball hit the bat, even though that everybody says you can't see it, right? And most big leaders that I've faced are the people that have done stuff when their vision stays up and the barrel comes into their vision as they go to it. That's a guy that I'm going to be a little more threatened with. But if I see someone look down while they swing, then I'm like, all right, I'm just going to bounce stuff all day and you're going to miss it. Because I mean, if I throw something that moves late, you're cheating and you're going to be literally looking to the spot and try to see it. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So it's like there's holes and stuff and there's techniques. And on the flip side of the pitching thing, it's like I, this is all super interesting to me because if I know your, it's, it's the old chess thing. If I know your approach, if I know your strategy, if I know what you're trying to do against me, I do the opposite. Right. Right. And so that's where the game is not being taught. If we went in the backyard and played wiffle ball, I would throw you straight curveballs. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I have to earn it. You know what I mean? Exactly. Earn it. Right? Just you. Just you specifically. Right and, and to me, it cracks me up because, like, this side of the game is, is such a weird thing where, like, we when we did our live at bat thing, I, I do remember one guy that was kind of a newer guy that came in and he faced a kid, and they and I remember talking to the kid and we always try to evaluate the person as they get in the box. Like I know if you're Jordan Bell, you got gloves, you got the the, yeah. the wristbands and everything, you got the C flap and everything you do, and you're swinging the new bat. There's only two versions of you. You're either really good or you're flashy, right? But either way, why would I throw that person first pitch fastball? Right. Right? Like, why would you do that? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I'm going to learn way more about it if I throw you first pitch curveball just to see what you're going to do. Because if you take it like you're supposed to, all right, you know what you're so, doing. So I, I hear John talk about, like, I, I watch him, and he's been doing it more. When you watch a game and you, like, predict things and, like, say these, all he's doing is, like, practicing out loud, like, what he thinks is going to happen. Right. And then just, like, he's done that. He's had the courage to say, well, this guy looks like he sucks. And I would play it this way if he was for sure sucky. Yeah. You know what like I mean? If I see a little sucky. skinny string main dude and he's standing far off the plate and the bat looks like it's like barely holding. Why would hands. you ignore that? And yeah, people ignore this stuff all the time. Yeah. I, I talk to my hitters about it all the time. And like you said, you hit to your personality. And the examples I use are so like we just kind of cut it. You like hit three to your personality. Like three dude. different types of personalities. Put that on a shirt. We'll, we'll just put that. We'll, we'll categorize those three. Dude. You have, like, uh, you're calm. So, like, Tony Gwynn and Albert Pujols, right? Like, very soft-spoken, you know, quiet guys. And if you look at their movements, they kind of resemble their personalities. Mm -hmm. um, and then let's go to the most extreme. David Ortiz and Josh Donaldson, right? Jose Bautista. Right. The old school. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and you can see it in the way they, they, they walk down the street that they have big-ass leg kicks. And then you could look at a Carlos Correa, you could look at a Adrian Gonzalez, who are somewhere right in the middle, right? If you if you talk to them or if you've been around them, you could see that their personalities they have that fire, but they're they're on the same level, yeah. And they're right in the middle, low, medium, medium leg kicks, and you know. So to me, yeah, you have to. And 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 if and if Donaldson tried to hit like Gwen, or if Gwen tried to hit like Donaldson, yeah, it would not work. So you have to kind of make sure that as a as a hitting coach that you take in their personality to the way they move and the way they go about their swing as far as I'm concerned. 
smartest thing I've heard in a long time, dude. Yeah, it's really good because like <laughs> pitching wise, it's it's almost the same thing. It's like how you want to pitch the way that your personality is 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 going on. Like if you throw hard and you lean on your fastball and what you're doing, well, you just need to learn how to when to throw a strike and when not to throw a strike right. and what you're trying to do against the guy. And what's cool with the game is that you you know you can watch the World Series and literally see that when you like we got Cole and. Um, Severino going tonight, and I'm betting that the first five pitches of the game, three of them are going to be off-speed. Just to see what's up. And then you got shadows. Exactly. There's a whole other thing to this thing. And it's like everybody's coming out not the way it used to be. Like Nolan Ryan's concept, I'm, I'm going to throw my fastball until you prove to me that you can hit it. Like nobody cares anymore because we got pitching machines that go up to 120 miles an hour. Like if Nolan Ryan pitched today, he'd be very upset with the baseballs, with the strikes. Exactly. Bit. For sure. He would... And he, you know, I think he talked about he developed a slider like three or four years into the major leagues. Like he was a two-pitch fastball curveball guy. And I keep saying this recently too. You can't like, unfortunately with Kershaw, like I've been on point with him, but you cannot be a two-pitch guy, especially when you when you know you're a curveball guy and you don't throw it. Like if we break down the sec, the six or seven pitches that he threw, he threw three cutters in a row. Cade um, Eaton came out through first pitch curveball to Rendon, bounced it, react terribly to it, right? Told the entire stadium, I can't throw my curveball today. Rendon moves up in the box, next he tries to bounce a cutter, and he golfs it, you know, 4.30 down the line. And everybody's like, oh, it was such a good pitch. I'm like, nah, bro, I've seen these big leaguers know what's <laughs> coming, coming and not miss it. That's, well, that's what that is. And that was the other thing, too, like, again, on, you know, on Twitter, you know, everyone giving credit to the swing about, like, you know, when, when, when the, on the, the game five, when the Astros were playing the Rays and they had, they had, uh, and Gansel was tipping all the pitches. Yeah. You know, everyone's talking about like, oh, look at the, look at the, look at their early connection and look at this and look at that. And you're like, nah, bro. Yeah. They, knew <laughs> they knew every pitch that they knew was coming. Everything that was coming. Yeah. So he, like, he screwed up. Yeah. Like, like again, swing mechanics, all that stuff is important. But when those when a big league hitter knows what's coming, dude, like, especially a hundred and like even if it's got a little cut to it, like they're gonna figure it out. And that's all they care about. Like I, I have, I have buddies that are in the Dodgers, you know, coaches in the Dodgers organization, and he's like, dude, like that sign stuff that you see that like that is the realest. Like the Dodgers and other organizations will say that they win and they lose World Series according to having signs. We, you know, other guys having signs. Like it's. What signs are you talking about? Relaying? Or are you talking about what? What the pitches? Oh, okay, okay. So catcher like sign, catcher to the pitcher. Ah. Knowing, knowing, knowing those signs. Oh yeah, those the runner on second base, or just like everything. Yeah. TV thing. No, the, the runners on second base. No, more for so sure, one hundred percent. Like that's. Oh my! I would. I. W that's what chases the guys in the dugout. You know, finding out. Hey, this guy exactly what Gansel was doing. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Classic. Yeah, like yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. that's that's what Utley was. On the Dodgers for last year, that was his role was to to test the game. To That's the game. That's the it's the game. It's it's teaching the game, you know. And there's there's so many different ways to relay nonverbal communication from a from a guy at second base to a guy at at home hitting. And I say it all the time. Like there's so many pitchers that I run to that can't pitch out of the stretch with in a pressure situation an RBI situation. And like one of the things when we're watching a game over there, I'm going like. How many times I've seen a guy come in the game, RBI situation, he throws a first pitch fastball, gives up a double. And I'm like, what are you doing? Well, that's that's you know? one thing I will say. Like when I when, when I really learned how to play baseball when I went to high school and I played for you know Sam Blaylock, who's got 900 varsity baseball wins. And as a base runner, you know, and again being able to take all this to to the hitting and the pitching standpoint, but as a as as a base runner, what we were taught to look for as a pitcher was like so enlightening as a pitcher like again everyone does the UCLA stuff but we were actually just timing like how long did he come set for mm -hmm. um, was he an A B or C which meant like did he move his head first did he move his glove first did he move his shoulder first did he move his foot first like I don't hear that talked about anywhere mm -hmm. so when you have the again on a, on a micro scale when you have a high school group that talented with that much information Knowing that hey he's gonna come set for two seconds or he's only gonna look once or he's only if he looks more than if he looks twice he's not gonna look three times so go like mm -hmm. there's so many things that don't get talked about that are that make the game so much easier that make hitting so much easier 
And if they're making that many mistakes at the big league level, imagine what they're doing at the high school level. Sure. And it's like, dude. And the, and the thing that gets me so jacked up is this is low-hanging fruit. Like, this is what most youth coaches should be equipped with is these things because adults can understand these things and kids don't have the cognitive ability to, like, think these things up. It's harder for them to be creative and, like, really believe it. So you talked about, like, the swing coming from the personality, mm -hmm. right? Like, you have to, like, get kids to trust you and, like, have a relationship with them to understand what their swing might look like. Like, I am such an overswinger, it's not even funny. I, I remember vividly as... Um, it, like as I'm like 16, 17, 18 years old, like if I feel like I'm not swinging, I mash. And then everything in the culture of baseball, Twitter was like intent, intent, intent. Mm -hmm. And so like literally I just recently, I'm like, wow, I should feel like I'm not swinging again. And like the, at the, at the, when we tested it the other day, yeah. that was me just killing it and not trying at all. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny how that, like my personality is, I always have to bring myself down. But sometimes you need that intent to open up the natural movement. Right, but right? So if like, you know me, chill chill out, bro. Like yeah. that's that's everybody's message to me. So that's my swing, right? So like I know, but the message is also like, but that's also gonna be you. Like you're only gonna be able to chill out so much. Right. But and, and then but but then that right so the now whole, it's like we gotta control, is, we gotta make sure that the body's moving in the And my point is is adults have the ability to like recognize personalities. Yeah. I don't need to teach the swing as much as I need to teach like, hey, you're freaking out in the box cast. Right. Why don't you just like chill out and just like barely hit the ball this next time? Next, next one to freak out a little bit yeah, more. Freak, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so these yeah. are the things that my point, because I get I get a little jacked up when it comes to youth. I'm bringing it back to youth for a second here because yeah. like the youth game can be, I, I mean, I know it's literally a chess match between the coaches. Like what is that? Yeah. Who cares about that? And like that's a hard argument to make, but it's better when you have a better solution, right? And so like, hey, these are your strengths as an adult. Like giving them structure that actually matters. Like you use the structure to implement the things that they normally wouldn't do. And then you have to like leave the freedom for them to be kids. And like this, this really complicated thing is actually really simple. Why don't you just like be, be uh, an adult in front of them? Like do the things that you already have. Yeah. Don't create new skill sets. It's really hard. And I hope you can attest to this. It's really hard to understand the swing. It's constantly right. evolving about how we talk about it. Like, like what, you know, you, you might see a, a guy take a swing, like, oh, even just like Acuna, how Acuna swings or like how Derek Jeter swings with that barrel float. Like mm -hmm. my brain is like, what is that? Right. Like, how does that compare that to uh, a, a cargo? Right. Like what's going on? And I don't expect somebody who's a, you know, they're a mortgage broker, you know, 80 hours or 40 hours a week to know these things. And that's just a hard position to be in. I wish it was so much, I wish the conversation was so much more out there, right? Because yeah. every time I have this conversation with people, are like, yeah, you know, those youth coaches that, that aren't, don't have a degree in kinesiology, but like can read about it online, like it's it, just be, be who you are too right. and allow them to be who they are. Cause we're sitting over here going, we're the specialists and we're still saying the same shit. Right. We're saying like, yeah, you need to know who they are. And that there's that's crazy. That's, that's, that's real, swing that's like your great, personality. Yeah, that's crazy. Surprised that Derek Jeter is a hit the ball to right field guy. If you think about like think about Derek Jeter, no, exactly. like he's a super yeah. flashy dude. You know, yeah, like, always loud. Yeah, always loud. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, I had a question um, independently for something I've thought about for uh, a long time. Something that I heard a former big leaguer say to me that made a lot of sense to like my own pitching strategy to a bunch of guys me being a cutter slider change up fastball guy curveball to like just everything what i can but do you feel like you have to learn different swings for different pitches yeah um because that's something he said to me that i never really heard before like, different swings for different pitches and maybe it's like different contact angles but just like the word swing in general to him like he felt like and he was really good by the way adjusting to things and hitting things certain ways. Yeah, I think it just goes back to not being physically or mentally committed to hitting only one pitch. Um, obviously that involves training, doing other things, you know, hitting weird, hitting balls super out in front, hitting balls super deep, hitting balls, you know, hitting sunflower seeds and, and you know, doing things that will almost force you to kind of freak your body out. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't think that was the goal in mind before he swung the bat was to hit the ball like this or to hit the ball at an awkward angle. Right. Um, but I think, like I said, incorporating. I was imagining when you said that, like him imagining, oh, I've hit this ball thirteen thousand times. I know exactly what that swing feels like, and that this swing feels a little bit differently. Like right. that yeah, might have been. That was his thing. His thing was that, like, he intentionally wanted to have a flat swing on a high fastball or a hanging curveball because it felt he felt like he could get to the bottom half of it better. Okay, okay, okay. Out. And then, like a pitch that was down and away, be he had to completely, right. completely yeah. change his swing in right. order to get there. Even his body posture, one hundred percent. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and that's the. I think that maybe on your athleticism side and like being willing to get to that thing, maybe. Well, that's where everyone is saying posture. I think now, athleticism, athleticism. Um, your your mobility is definitely huge on your ability to maintain your posture, right? Um, and again, I think it goes back to what we kind of talked about at your place was going to a hitting lesson, paying X amount of dollars, and the guy just throwing fastballs down the middle or going to a, a travel ball practice and getting 20 swings and there's 10 to 20 kids there and you need to hurry up and, and get their swings in. And if you throw a ball, you say, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, you know, if you throw a curve ball and the kid looks like a dumbass and now you look like you haven't really coached them the right yeah, way. Exactly. And now everyone's looking at him like, how come no one, like, how come these guys are all getting fooled? Now you're like, no, nah, we're just going to hit fastball. So I think there's so many reasons why um, kids cannot adjust in the game. It goes back to the way they train or the way they are trained. Um, is they are not trained to adjust, therefore they don't adjust. Yeah, like I, I hit I hit pretty well through high school. And I always felt like our BP, like we had a money BP guy. But I always felt it was a disservice because it was like, it wasn't hard. And then my dad would come in and just absolutely carve me up. For me, it was like it was the same thing. I'll tell everybody. Like again, the reason I so I played again, I made the varsity team in my tryout. The eighth pick overall started against the tryout guy, so it was like the number one high school team minus a, a left fielder, versus guys that have never played varsity baseball before. So I was hitting leadoff, first pitch. Let's say it's ninety two because I know the guy was up to ninety eight. Say it's ninety two and I hit it off the left field wall. So clearly I made the team there by taking that guy off the wall and pulled it, all that good stuff. So I was able to do that because I trained 85 from the time I was nine years old and failed at all that shit. 85 and at nine? 85 at That's nine. Awesome. And as long That's awesome. But, but I wasn't hitting it. But as long as I wasn't crying about not hitting for it, sure. we were like going to get ice cream. And probably it was, scared as crap, right? right? Like just fear for your life. 100%. That's awesome. But come judgment day at 14 years old, again, living in New York, did not know that we were going to move to California, we were going to move to Florida or Arizona, did not know that we were going to move to Rancho Bernardo, that was going to be the best high school team in the country. Didn't really take in the fact that I was going to be a 14-year-old freshman. Um, so just by having kind of a crazy dad who experienced having boys before, was like, this is what you're going to do. And it just so happened, like, I needed to do that if I was going to succeed because if all those stars aligned and I didn't train that way I wouldn't have been able to do that um, now that being said it was like to the point to where like if I saw a curveball like I couldn't even I couldn't move <laughs> like so like it, it it helped and it worked but Again, well, I, there wasn't think, enough variety in it. But but uh, agreed. But the difficulty of the right. situation. Right. There, there's so is, much is, to be learned from that. Right. Yeah. Right. Just like, difficult, and it and it's and its own says it yeah. does a lot. We we get a lot of kids in the first. Like, Not complicated probably, either. Yeah. No. The first. You face can, eighty-five. Yeah. yeah. But if you can mix it up, it's even better. Which yeah. is really basically impossible to do unless you're seeing a guy. Well, it's until like yourself. it's until though you have the skill set of crushing the eighty-five. You don't mix it up until you do it. Dude, you could. Dude, you, these you're kids not, nowadays. You're saying though. you're saying throw curveballs before you can hit the 85. No, no, but I'm saying you have to train to. You have, you, to you have to train both. You yeah. have to. You have. Oh, to just learn like to, separately, not not control. literally. Yeah, you have to learn to. Yeah, yeah. To to move neutrally to so 85. You should, you should also see 85. an 85 mile hour slider at the same time, like. No, but I I look at it like this: is like you should pick your you should time you should pick up as if you're gonna hit a fastball. But I gotta I gotta control my body as if a curveball is coming. Well, here, so I yes, I I agree with that. So I'm saying like laying a foundation of like I'm saying the learning point that I'm taking from 85 is the fact that like that is the fastest way for you to get good at hitting. Like if you only focus on curveballs, 
like you're probably not going to gain that skill set as well as if you're challenged from a time standpoint. That's what makes I agree with that. That like that's the whole that's what's yeah. hard about hitting. If everybody's yeah, done seventy five, exactly. like nobody's disagreeing with that. Right. Right. So so then it's like that's But then once you this once, is what happens when that's that first only, ball, all of a sudden it's curveball, right. curveball, curveball. If that's what you but that's balance and speaking of balance, right? Of course you have to balance I it. I totally up. agree. And that's that's the problem too, is like you said, is like you, we, we, we work so much on being good fastball hitters, you know, and now it's like... And, straight, and by hit. the way, straight fastballs. Straight. Four seamers, yeah. middle, belt high. And yeah. again, I, I just need to be clarified because I know who listens to it. So what are, what are, most of the kids that you work with, how old are they? They are 12 to 18. Okay. And and again, so that's a big range, 12 to 18. And some of the, you know, some of the 18-year-olds I work with are... Some of the best eighteen year olds. Right. In the so some of these conversations will bleed a little bit more into the older guys. 100%. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, and especially just, when it comes to approach. You right. Know, mechanics are mechanics. The foundation is yeah. just as long yeah, I it, people just need to be aware of that. And that's like, I want to go face you. Want to go face you? I want to go face you. I want to. I want to have. I want to see you throw. Because I saw you throw. He's on the back. It's getting back. Yeah, I'm in the back. We want to cut our nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, I'm oh, making yeah, sure that I'm, I'm on time. And, uh, <laughs> That's hard though. Through. You know it's hard. That's great. But cool. to our point, like I spent so much time babying it, and I still remember you telling me, "Oh, I've seen you throw." I'm like, dude, like. For the last ten years, I've been trying not to throw hard. Of course, it's gonna have an effect. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm getting it back. I'm getting and it. Back. I'm I'm gonna throw hard as long as I can. Like I pulled down ninety three on Friday. I'm but fine. what's great about it is like he throws soft the same way. Yeah. I mean, unless it's literally like one of these, you yeah. know. But like that's a you don't. I think it's a misconception of everything. It's like everybody wants to shorten things up. Like when we see BP throwers on TV when they show it, like the thing, we're always like, off. we're always like, what is going on? Because the guy's like. Yeah, it's so weird. Just there, it's just like one of the. Oh, oh yeah, this guy, the guy with like the flip back yeah. and then the flip forward. Like, yeah. if I'm hitting in the big leagues from there, I'm just going like, can you just hire anybody oh, from the ER and just really? do a public? Service? If I'm that guy, I'm not taking that money. Like, I'm just like doing something. No, I, that's not me. I'm not getting on TV. To do but that. like, on the same sense, like what I when I talk to a couple of Japanese guys that I played with, they have live hitting. They have an entire team that doesn't even play. Yeah. With like multiple mounds that they put up temporarily, and they have three live BP situations going on, and there's a dude on the mound, and if they're gonna see lefty a lefty that day, then they have three lefties, and everybody's gonna go through each cage. I'm sorry, each turtle that's on the field, and face something. Not may it may not be the exact speed, right. right? But it's gonna be from the left side, throwing the pitches that that guy's gonna throw. Yeah, I presented that to a. To a, to a local major league team around here and gave them some ideas about that and it's like it's the only thing that makes sense to do like you know why not have some prospects come throw skip skip a little minor league start and throw in front of your throw in front of all your scouts throw to the big leaguers before the game and and I think the big thing is is this is if I'm a big leaguer and I'm going against some kid in double a and he just carved me up and I got Kershaw on the bump like I don't yeah. I know I should feel better because I've seen it three or four times, mm-hmm. but like mentally, I don't. I feel like crap. Well, then that's just not enough reps. That's not enough because I'll, I'll. And again, it's bad perspective too. Because I'll is. tell you, if you're over four, then I'm like, well, then numbers say that you're gonna go four for four tonight against Kershaw. Like, there's like you <laughs> yeah, can yeah, look yeah, at yeah. it you so many different ways. Sure. Like, if, yeah. why do you go over four and assume bad's gonna happen instead of assuming so good's gonna happen? We did a thing with uh, a guy that I threw to, and I won't say names or say anything, but really good. Okay. I got him the first couple times through. I threw probably at least 100 pitches, probably more than that, straight. And from the beginning to the end, he figured it out. Right. And I think that even like what you're saying, that like the sample size, of course you're going to fail. You never faced that guy before. You don't know what he's having. Right. How about getting in and just figuring it out? Like if I faced you 50 times that's, in a row. That's a different thing than what you're envisioning and talking about, right? No, it's just further getting it's, in it's, and figuring it out. Yeah, like fifty at bat, like having fifteen to twenty at bats against the same guy is a lot different than cycling through. Well, and, and a BP the, session where you you have two at bats. The restrictions right. and the things that people think about too, like if you do get that prospect and he does face those major league guys, right? They're gonna be like, ah, you're only throw forty pitches. Like right. I, I will set up there for hundred and fifty pitches until I'm exhausted. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm saying like, let's go hundred pitches and. 
what it, it might be only three three at bats for whoever for the nine hitters or whatever it is, but like I want to see you throw a hundred pitches why, against. Why not have four dudes? But yeah, that, right, that's, 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 that, that's actually the, the, so that's that's my argument to it is it's actually small it's small group work right. like th- this exists the resources at the major league level exist so it's silly that it doesn't happen right it does if you don't want to take if you don't want to take this live VP don't do it like that right. doesn't have to be a part of your game. And there's thirteen guys there, which again. Make it part of like that's part of it is like no you're gonna do it and then unless, everybody's unless you got better. ten years in the league and yeah. you got three hundred dingers and yeah. you're gonna do it I don't care Every, what your last name is everybody's gonna be better in that situation the guy throwing is gonna get better because he's just kind of constantly working on his stuff right he's gonna get risk reward finding out like oh okay top of the knee on the black can still get hit should be bottom of the knee at the black so right. he can figure it out the hitter's gonna get better because he can see the ball and the flight and go and everything and then when you got you know you behind the turtle and you're talking about the strategy of what the guy's trying to do against him. It's like, oh, well, his sequence was, you know, fast, slow, slow, fast. You know, it's like, oh, okay, well, you weren't even thinking about that. You right. were just like trying to see ball hit ball. And like, I was telling him, we were, we were watching, I did a, a live stream. I think you saw it, right? I predicted uh, both teams were on second pitch length and they did it for the first two at bats. And then on the third at bat, everybody unloaded and started going first and second pitch length. And then we're just shutting it down for everything. And you can literally tell the big leader goes in there, he takes it, the guy throws the first pitch hammer, and there's nothing that moves. He goes like that right there. Yeah. Like there was no chance that guy was going to swing. There was no load, there was no twitch, no anything. And then the next pitch, if the guy threw the fastball, smoked. Right. Right? But then if he threw a curveball again, you could see him that he actually had a little bit of load, and then he twitched and stopped. And I'm like, there, there's your answer. You right. can totally tell. And I went through and like I just saw the Astros. I'm like, this is crazy that like nobody's seeing this. That, you can tell, like, if it doesn't matter if it's a ball or strike on the first pitch, that they are 95% going to be aggressive on the second pitch of the bat. And that was the Yankees and the Astros. Oh, nowadays they just go to the piece of paper and it says when they swing. Yeah. Uh, they don't, they lose that feel of using their eyes and going, like, I know that I don't need a piece of paper to tell me they're not swinging because I'm sitting here watching it, paying attention. Well, and, and look at look at Kershaw. Like, he, as a big leaguer, you should know, if you throw a good pitch and a guy hits a bomb and you got a young kid coming up in the plate, he's swinging first pitch. How dare you throw him anything to hit first pitch? If you bounce the cutter instead of hanging it, he swings and looks like an idiot. Yeah, especially, like, look at that kid's personality. Exactly. Like, you know he's going to go out there. Dude, he's taught. He, they do not walk off the island. It's the greatest, right. most perfect thing to yeah. say, where these guys swing the bat. And that's yeah. all he does. All. You can tell his wide base and his swings at everything. He's looking to get underneath anything so he can be a little bit lower and launch it and lift it. And that's all he's trying to do. And I'm just so confused. Why? First of all, anybody throws him a fastball. Like, what are you doing unless well, it's he's, high level? He got like ten curve, ten curveballs or sliders. And weird. What did well, uh, I think it's uh, we've been an hour plus right here, and I think that's <clears> a pretty good one. Um, why don't you give everybody uh, where you're at? Um, so a little bit more information, um, how they can get a hold of you besides, uh, you can start with the Twitter handle and everything from there. Simple, just peabodybaseball.com and, uh, at peabodybaseball on Twitter. And then you're in Canyonside. Why don't you tell everybody where you're I'm in Temecula, Temecula, California, um, once a week, Carlsbad, California once a week and, uh, Miramar, greater San Diego. Greater, greater San Diego. Cool. So. Well, this has Thank been you for great. Having me, by oh, the way. this is awesome. it. we we're, we got to do this some more and do some stuff. We got some ideas and Zamora. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, we got all kinds of good stuff that uh, things that uh, yeah, I think it's gonna be awesome and some things. And I've I, you just said something earlier that I thought would be a great video podcast too, but we'll talk about it off air. So so if you like some of the things that we said, let us know. Share our stuff. That's all I have. I am. I don't know what camera. <laughs> I have the new phone. It's whatever. Yeah, it's all Sweet. good. Anyway. Rate, review, subscribe. Appreciate it. Follow John. We'll put stuff in the show notes. Follow Cass. Follow me. Pass it around. We just want to help. That's pretty much where this comes from. And we see a little bit of a disconnect when it comes to training. And that's why we are in business. And we want to try to put the best product, you know, out possible. And um, educate a bunch of people along the way. For sure, hundred percent. This I think this is the greatest way for us to put a more efficient message out to. A lot of our followers and stuff like that. You should have a podcast. You should totally. I had one. I'm, I was gonna. I just. I didn't have time. Now my kids are in school full time, so I'm like, we'll get back to it. Yeah. Now I got time. Yeah. So it's coming. It's all it, coming. Definitely. Definitely. Cool. All right. Appreciate it.